0: City one more time. My name is Stephanie. I see a couple new faces. I'd love to get a chance to meet you. I'm one of the pastors here, um, usually hanging out around here. So definitely introduce yourself if I haven't met you yet, or if I unfortunately stare at you and you've already met me, I'm very sorry in advance. I'm working on it. Um, we're, we are just really glad to be together this morning. I'm feeling a little defensive of Minneapolis right now because on the radio, they're like, it's so cold. Never host the Super Bowl here again. Nobody's hanging out. Nobody's doing anything." which is completely false because I was, like, being shuffled down Nicollet Mall because it was so packed with people. Have you guys been out? Come on, right? Like, we, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like I had, nobody's listening outside of you all, but they're saying this on the radio, so I'm feeling defensive. Um, kind of a fun thing I want to celebrate this morning. So uh, Mill City is not quite 10 years old. We're going to have a big party in the fall to celebrate Mill City's 10 years. But over these last 10 years, We've had the opportunity to be a part of helping support new churches that have started in different parts of our city. We've actually also sent some of our folks to go be pastors and leaders at churches in other parts of the country. And today, uh, one of the churches that we helped uh, by sending some people and getting some awareness out around this new church in North Minneapolis called Lighthouse Minneapolis has, has their one year of services today. Yes, it's very exciting. And I know that they're not here but we sent a few families with them, uh, the Quarios and the Gomez family, and Stephan, who's one of our great friends who was a part of Mill City from the beginning, is leading worship there. So we are about the multiplication of churches, you guys, because there is only one church in Minneapolis, isn't there? And we get to be a part of that church right here, and they are doing that at the very same time as us in North Minneapolis. So uh, just be praying for them and thanking God for what God's done through Lighthouse over this last year. It's really amazing and it's been really cool to see how they've connected in North Minneapolis. So, if you if you know those folks that I mentioned, say congratulations to them. Um, so, we started a conversation last week called Pick Your Battles. If you can't see it's those little, uh, does anybody have that little game with the little blue guy and the little red guy and you like push the button and they punch each other? I don't know what the object of the game was. Did the head pop off or something? The head pops off. So, Austin's like the head pops off. Okay. I don't really know. Um, but we started this conversation last week, and it's a, it's a three-week conversation that's going to go right before Lent, which is coming up early this year. Uh, it starts on Valentine's Day, Lent, so just keep that in mind for your date plans. It's Ash, Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. I will also let you know that Easter's on April Fool's, and I'm not kidding. Okay, sorry. It's bad. It's bad. All right. So... We're having this conversation for a few weeks. Last week we started the conversation. Some of you were up at the winter getaway, so I encourage you to listen back because it was kind of a part one, part two, part three for sure. I'll do a little bit of review today. But the conversation is pick your battles. Um, when I thought about that last week, I thought about toddlers as the group of people who I think have the hardest time picking their battles in life. Some of you might agree. And uh, I I love my little nephew, but he has a little bit of trouble picking his battles sometimes as a as a little toddler because he's a kid. And after I thought about how I kind of threw toddlers under the bus, I started thinking about little Steph in her own life. So we got, I brought a picture of little Steph. There I am. It, don't I look cute and adorable and harmless? Not so much. I was, I was a, a force to be reckoned with as a little girl. And if you know me well, that might not be shocking to you. But um, when, I, when I look at my nephew, I have so much empathy for him because I'm like, this was me as a three-year-old. It's just hard, you got a lot of energy, and you don't know what to do with it, and you don't pick your battles well. And so I have these memories. You can ask my, my little brother, who's around here usually, Rob, about some of the battles I did not pick well with him. And I'll be honest, it didn't end when I was a toddler. Like, as I got older, still had some trouble picking the battles in my life. Um, I do have some memories of getting in trouble playing ice hockey. I was an ice hockey player. I have confessed some of those unfortunate fights that I got in on the ice. I have let you know there were some very unfortunate things that happened. My high school almost got sued because of something that happened on the ice. It's a long story. I'll tell you later. And uh, there is also a memory that came up. See, God was convicting me of throwing the toddlers under the bus. There's also a memory that came up of a time that I got kicked out of gym class in high school and then never allowed to come back to gym class ever again. And it's because I, I picked a battle with my gym teacher. And if you want to hear that story, I still might, I want to suggest that that was actually a battle worth picking. You might disagree. So I'm having some empathy about this, but we're having this conversation saying, hey, listen, as people in our lives, we have battles that we face with our, um, I'm going to use the term like flesh and blood battles, right? People, situations with our jobs, with our coworkers, with our spouse, with our roommates, people in our lives, there's battles sometimes, aren't there? But the reality is what we want to talk about is how underneath some of those surface battles that we have in our life like I had with the gym teacher there's a spiritual battle going on there are spiritual battles happening that we maybe can't always see we maybe don't always but sometimes can kind of feel but it feels confusing and we're unsure about them and the reality I think for a lot of us is that the the battles of our life that are on the surface kind of distract us from the reality that there's this spiritual battle going on sometimes and sometimes it can cause us to get confused about who the true enemy is Because it turns out my gym teacher, even though I disagreed with him, was not my actual enemy, right? There is an enemy that we are facing as people who want to join God's work in the kingdom of God. And that enemy doesn't want God's mission to go forward. And because of that, there's battles that are raging, that are going on. And what I'm hoping for this conversation is that we would people who, wherever you're at in that conversation, can just grow in a little bit of awareness around this topic and how we can be prepared and how we can engage with the spiritual battles in our life. So I think there is sometimes a danger. Um, I often talk about the road with two ditches. So we could fall into this ditch of getting, like, overly obsessed with spiritual warfare and stuff like that and kind of getting consumed with it. Not a good idea. That's not what you see in Scripture is getting overwhelmed with it or thinking about it obsessively, okay? But also the other ditch is not thinking about it at all or kind of thinking it's probably not real, it's not really affecting me, it's not really, doesn't really matter. When I think it really does, and so we're trying to find that middle ground, okay? Okay. I brought a definition of what I'm going to use as the definition for spiritual warfare or spiritual battle today. So we'll put that up on the screen. I'll read it for you. This is the battle happening in the spiritual realm between the forces of good and evil, God and Satan, light and darkness. You can talk about it in different ways. This battle is spiritual, yet it has tangible implications for the metaphysical realities we face in our lives as we're participating in the coming of the kingdom of God around us. Let me just leave it up there for a second. So metaphysical, meaning it crosses the boundaries between our physical and our spiritual realities. It actually does tangibly matter what's going on in the spiritual realm. And we can't fully understand it all, but we want to be more aware of that reality in order to step into that. And that's because, I would say, I put this on the screen, we have to pick our battles because the war that is unseen is where the most is at stake for the kingdom of God and thus for our lives. We have to pick our battles because the war that is unseen is where the most is at stake for the kingdom of God and thus for our lives. So as I've talked with some of you guys about this over the last few months, I realized that some people, this is a little freaky when we talk about it, you don't have to be scared, you don't have to be afraid. We have authority in the name of Jesus in this realm, but we do have to talk about it, but try to, try to know that it's safe to talk about it. We'll pray about that in just a second. Um, some of you have just said, I don't know, I feel confused about it, I've heard a lot of things, I don't really know. So I just want this conversation to be about finding kind of a a foundation for understanding of this so that we can step forward with confidence into what God's doing in our lives so that we can be aware of how we can appropriately engage with these realities as we stand firm in who God made us to be, okay? So I want to pray to start, which would be a good idea when we're having this conversation, just to pray to cover this space, okay? So join with me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this opportunity to look at your word We ask, God, that you would speak to each one of us, that your truth would be louder than any of the lies that the enemy wants to tell us right now. God, we pray for this physical space in your name, Jesus, that it would be completely clear of anything that's not from you. Any spirits of darkness that are not from you, we say be gone in Jesus' name, and we welcome your Holy Spirit to this place. God, fill this space, fill this building with your Spirit so that when we leave in a few hours, God, when we clean everything up and we are gone, that your Holy Spirit would remain present in here And that it would make a difference for the students and the faculty and staff as they return uh, tomorrow to school. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would make a difference here in Sheridan School, and we're so thankful. So we pray for protection over our minds and hearts as we have this conversation together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to have a conversation I'm calling today Behind the Scenes, okay? So picking our battles, what's going on behind the scenes? And I couldn't help but take a moment to brag for just a quick minute about how I got to go behind the scenes for ESPN and SportsCenter because my husband's working for them this week. And intern Steph, there she is, the other Steph, we got to go backstage passes, you guys, SportsCenter. It was really cool. And so you can see there we are uh, in the IDS tower. And then over there, that's the truck that's outside where all of the video feed is going in and getting sent into outer space or something. I'm not really sure. We didn't get that in detailed in the backstage tour. but. All of this is happening and we got like super close to, very close to being Hall of Famer Randy Moss. Yes, look at this picture, see him? There he is. I was zooming the camera a tiny bit, but at one point he walked by and if we would have kind of like flailed, we could have touched him. But we didn't because we're adults. So it was pretty cool, you guys. We got to go behind the scenes and JD, my husband's been working like countless hours. He gets there at five o'clock every day He's having a blast because he loves sports, but he's in the the film industry stuff, so he's running cables and wires and all these things. And so we were excited to, like, potentially touch Randy Moss. He was excited to show us how many feet of of cable and, like, wire he's ran all over the place so that this this little, you know, stage with these dudes talking about sports, the things that happen behind the scenes are insane, you guys. Like, thousands and thousands of feet of cable, cameras, uh, so many different people that are involved to make this happen. You've got all of this stuff, uh, people who are making sure that there's things being directed, and then you've got folks in that truck doing different things. You've got screens, you've got cameras, you've got wires, you've got cables. All of that stuff's happening behind the scenes so that you guys or whoever can watch SportsCenter. And it's crazy. It's actually crazy to see how much is going on, how many different people are involved behind the scenes to make this thing happen, and all we see is this couple of minutes. It's really short, actually. This couple-minute clip of these guys sitting at this table talking about Randy Moss, and then all of a sudden, Randy Moss is there. And what I think is true of our lives is the same thing. On the surface of our lives, we see this kind of fraction of the reality. As we go through our daily lives, we experience what I'd say is similar to this, this small reality compared to everything that's going on behind the scenes. Behind the scenes of our lives, there is a... Uh, a spiritual reality that's happening. I would say that there's a battle going on behind the scenes that significantly affects the plot line and the narrative of our everyday life. This battle has implications for how we live our life, for what's going on in our story in front of the camera or on center stage or however you want to think about it. Behind the scenes, there's more going on than what you see up front. This concept of a spiritual battle is actually really consistent throughout the whole meta-narrative or through all of scripture. So when you look back at the earliest stories, all the way through to the New Testament and and in through the book of Revelation, which is kind of the bookend that we haven't reached yet, you've got story after story acknowledging this reality of this spiritual realm and things that are happening in it. You see this invitation to understand it without getting obsessed with it, but also without ignoring it. You see that invitation all throughout scripture. Um, For this conversation, we're focusing on Ephesians 6 because it really is a a place in which a lot of us have come to a a sense of this is the foundation of our understanding. Uh, The Apostle Paul, an early leader in the church, he's really known for kind of putting things clearly and saying, okay, this is what this reality is and let's just state it, all right? So if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 6. If you have a phone or something that can pull up a Bible, this would be a good day to have that in front of you. Because today, what I want to do is kind of go through this text more, maybe it will feel a little bit more like a training than it would be like a sermon in the sense that I really want us to get this on a tangible level, okay? I want us to really think, okay, what does this mean for me in my life? So the book of Ephesians, let me just, let me just explain quickly. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is going through some pretty significant uh, persecution and very hard times. They are uh, people who often are marginalized, people who have been oppressed, they are under a pretty oppressive government who will take their taxes and take their money without really asking, and people are dying because they're Jesus followers. These are people who saw, some of them, they saw Jesus do miracles. They saw him uh, on the cross and then back coming back to life. They watched all that, and now their entire lives and their families are at stake because they still believe that that happened. Can you imagine some of them are like, am I sure that I saw that? <laughs> because there is so much at stake. And then here we have Paul. He's writing to them from prison. There's a few letters that we call the prison epistles, or the prison letters, where Paul is writing to them, we think, from, from this time that he's in prison, waiting, hoping that he's going to be able to be set free. And so here he is, being the completely in chains, yet writing to these people who are experiencing a lot. And what I think is so interesting is so many people say that this is one of the most encouraging books that Paul wrote, encouraging letters that Paul wrote, even though he's writing to people who are having a really hard time while he's in prison. And I think that that's a pretty cool reality. So here's Paul laying out some basics when it comes to spiritual warfare and how we are to respond. It's going to be Ephesians six ten through 20. I'm going to read it. We'll have it up on the screen. Pay attention to some of the just really practical things that Paul is talking about here. And then he gets into a metaphor that some of you know that we have come to call the armor of God. But listen to the very practical things that he says, starting in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, so this is the end of the letter. this idea of this, this transcendent kind of reality. He says, like, the earth and then the heavenly realms, that's the way that Paul's talking about how there's this metaphysical reality that's real. Just because you can't see it, and sometimes you don't always even feel it, doesn't make it less real, okay? This is what he's talking about. I had eight things that I shared last week, so Roland's just gonna put them up on the screen real quick. I'd love for you to listen back to these if you can, but they come right out of this passage, okay? Eight things, I think, pretty clear as day, right from this passage, okay? You hear be strong in verse 10 and that our strength comes from God. You see that the devil is on defense, right? The devil is scheming because God is on offense and so then the devil's scheming to try to stop what God's doing. So if we're joining God, that means we're on offense and we might get hit by the defense, which is the enemy trying to stop what God's doing or thwart those plans, okay? Three, very clear. If it has flesh and blood, it's not your true enemy. That's just pretty clear. We sometimes face enemies in our life, right? Jesus is pretty clear about that. We are to love those enemies. If it has flesh and blood, you're supposed to love it. The spiritual realm is where the true enemy is at work. It might impact those flesh and blood enemies, but that is different. Very clearly, Paul says, it's about the spiritual realm. Four, be prepared. The armor of God metaphor, I would suggest, is all about being prepared. And that's what I'm going to spend most of our time on today. So I'll go to the fifth one. Fifth. Stand. Did you hear how many times he said stand firm? I think it's like three or four times. Stand, don't flail. (laughs) When we get nervous, when we get scared, when we feel like something is overwhelming to us, when we're shocked, we tend to flail a little bit, all right? Some of us more than others are a little more jumpy. I really don't like when people jump out at me, so just don't do that to me. I will flail. I'll probably hit you. So stand, don't flail. God is the one that's fighting for us, and we are invited to stand firm. This is so clear in this image. All right, six. Did you hear in verse 18? Always pray. Pray all kinds of requests. Always keep on praying. Pray, pray, and then pray some more. Authority, the authority of our prayers in the name of Jesus is at the very center and core of what it looks like for us to be people who engage with the spiritual warfare. We only have authority for one reason, and that is what Jesus has done. And so we have authority in Jesus' name. And actually, JD is going to talk about that next week very intentionally what it means to have authority in the name of Jesus in the spiritual realm. Number seven, fear happens. You hear Paul asking people to pray that he wouldn't be afraid. Man, if that guy still gets afraid, I feel like that kind of helps us, right? Like if he had to confront his fear, so do we. And he had to, and he asked people to pray for him that the chains of fear would be broken. And then finally, number eight, the enemy can frustrate the mission, but the enemy can't stop it. In verse 20, Paul describes himself as an ambassador in chains. Think about that. The idea of an ambassador, they're going out, but he's in chains right now. It kind of feels like a paradox. But he's saying, listen, I'm stuck here right now, but that doesn't make me any less of an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Sometimes the enemy frustrates the mission that God wants to do in through you and us and our church and the people of God. But the enemy cannot stop the mission, even though the enemy can frustrate it. Okay, so let's take a look at this armor a little bit. Some of you, uh, this may be a new concept to you. For others, maybe you're like me, and you talked about the armor of God when you were a kid. Did some of you talk about it when you were a kid? And that meant you got really cool props that Sunday, right? When else do you get to hold a sword in church? And you get to make little hats made out of cardboard. That happened in my church. It was really fun. And for me, it became this thing that was kind of about, like, being a good Christian, I think, maybe, like. If you have the helmet of salvation, then you won't be dumb and forget salvation. I don't know. It felt very simple to me because I was a kid. And we already talked about how I was like a little bit of an ornery kid. So that's probably part of it. But I actually think that this is a very deep concept. Whenever Paul, you guys, whenever Paul's using a metaphor, pay attention. He uses metaphors because he's talking about something that is so deep that it cannot be explained plainly. So. Paul uses metaphors all the time. So whenever you're reading through letters and you see a metaphor, turn up, turn up your brain and go, wait a second, this guy's getting deep. He's going a little bit deeper here. So it's not a surfacey metaphor. This is going deeper. And I want to talk about that today. I asked uh, Sky Flora, who's one of our Mill students. The Mill is our junior high, high school ministry there right here. Give them a round of applause. You guys. You guys. Uh, and she's not here right now. I think her parents are like professional musicians or something. They're touring Iowa, I think, right now. And so she's not going to be embarrassed, but later on, you have to tell her how awesome this art is that she did for me. I think she's in eighth grade. She in eighth grade? She did this art for me. I asked her like an hour later. She sent this to me. This is awesome, right? And uh, of course, Paul, when he's using this imagery, he's using the the image of a Roman soldier. People would have seen Roman soldiers walking through the streets. This would have been normal in Ephesus and other places uh, because of the realities of that time. And so here you have uh, maybe not a Roman soldier, but it's pretty cool. So you got a little bookmark that has a picture on it. If you didn't get one of these, we'll have them at the Connections table um, because I just want to celebrate Skye. She's super talented. So when you see her, if you know her, tell her how awesome it is that she used her art in this way because I love it. Um, so let me, let's just talk through these, these different parts pretty, pretty quickly, but um, I think it'll give you an idea. So the very first thing that Paul mentions is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now most of you, if you think about your outfit, your belt might not be the most important part of your outfit. If your pants are a little loose, it might be the most important part of your outfit. Otherwise, it's maybe like a fashion statement or something like this, okay? In this concept, in this metaphor, the belt is really, really, really important because it's on which the belt is on which everything else is held together, okay? So that's why he's starting with the belt, which seems kind of like, why would you start with the belt? Because the belt of truth is the thing in which everything else is hanging on. And if we lose that, the armor falls off. And this is so crucial because when it comes to spiritual battles in our lives, it is at this spot between the truth and a lie that the enemy works the most. Uh, Dr. Paul Eddy, one of the professors that I know from Bethel, uh, talks a lot about spiritual warfare and how he says 99% of spiritual warfare, it's not about necessarily like demons and all these different things, while those can be very real. He says 99% of it happens between the seven or eight inches between your ears. It's in your mind. It's lies. Satan is the father of lies. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he's coming in trying to scheme by twisting the truth or telling flat-out lies. Lies about who you are. Lies about who other people are. Like who the real enemy is, that lie. And lies about who God is. Lies about who you are, who other people are, and who God is number one way that spiritual warfare manifests itself in our lives and it's sneaky you guys. And so the belt of truth is so core. What is God's truth in the situation? We do sometimes see evil manifested in more tangible ways especially in different cultures and things like that. I believe that that happens. But if we miss the reality that this is something that happens in a subtle way having to do with lies, we could really be in trouble. So, That's often behind the scenes. So as we look at the other ones, let me just show you how it comes together. The belt of truth is holding these all together. The second one is the breastplate of righteousness. Some of you know that righteousness and justice are nearly the same concept. They are tethered concepts in Scripture. Righteousness and justice. Making the wrong things right. God is righteous because there's nothing wrong about God. God's justice is making the wrong things right. And so a breastplate of righteousness is about being people who are able to uh, stand firm to say that God is making the wrong things right. But man, are there lies about that in our lives. Lies like God is not actually just or fair. Lies like we don't have to act justly. We can just care about ourselves. Turns out that's not righteousness. That's self-righteousness, right? Lies like justice is not worth fighting for. It's not possible. God's not really participating in this. What is the truth? God is in the process of making wrong things right, and someday we'll make all the wrong things right in God's future hope. That's what we're waiting for. But even now, we see God making wrong things right. The work, the story of what Devoted has done over the last four years, God is making wrong things right. Through us, we join in what God is doing. Okay, so you see the lies and the truth, breastplate of righteousness. And then the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Notice, every one of these things, when the opposite is happening, that's when you see the spiritual warfare. So the opposite of peace, the opposite of shalom, God's shalom, unrest, dissension between people, people fighting people, flesh and blood, instead of recognizing the spiritual battle is what's really going on. The lies that we're told is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not a gospel of peace. Some of us have heard this lie that the gospel is a gospel of fear. Scare people out of hell scare people into thinking the right thing, or the gospel is a gospel of spiritual elitism. It's all about getting it right. You better get it right, and if you're right, then everyone else is wrong, and you're better than them. I've heard that gospel. That is not good news. That is not true, and the enemy wants to speak these lies. The gospel is supposed to be good news. So what is the truth? The truth is that God's presence brings peace, and so when God's breaking into our lives now, That is what's true. And someday God's peace, God's shalom will be what makes all the wrong things right. That's what this gospel of peace is about. And so if we have that preparation, then when we notice something that's not peace, we go, wait a second, what's really going on here? Let's pray about this because there could be some spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. Let me give you one quick story. So a few years ago, I've told this story before, but it's a good example. A few years ago, there was a little boy in our church. Their family has moved away now, but his name is Max. And he was having bad nightmares and bad dreams. And lots of kids have those, but adults have those too sometimes, right? And he kept talking about how he kept seeing this, like, kind of scary old man in their house. And long story short, uh, we ended up having some of us go over there and just pray for their house. Pray through the physical physical house. And Max wasn't there, so he wasn't freaked out. And we just prayed. And let me just explain to you what you would do, because any one of you who knows Jesus can do this. You have authority in Jesus' name. You walk into a space, and you just start praying that God's spirit would be the only spirit that's in this place in the name of Jesus and that anything that's not from God would leave in the name of Jesus. Now, we didn't see anything. We don't know what happened, but we just trusted and we went from room to room and then we walked around the outside of the house. The next day, Max told his family, I slept so beautifully. He said beautifully. He's three. I slept so beautifully. And they said, really? And he said, yeah, because Jesus carried the old man out. I'm not kidding you. He said that. We did not tell him about it. He said, yeah, and then the monsters, they're not here anymore either. And they were like, monsters? Because he had not said anything about monsters. And he's like, yeah, the monsters, they're out on the front, right in front of the driveway. They're not allowed on our, on our lawn. This little three-year-old boy, okay? Guys, if you're unsure, pray about it. You have authority in Jesus' name. If you're still kind of unsure what that would look like, we've got a missional community called OO, it stands for Open Heart, Open Home, and they do house blessings. They will come and they will show you with you how to pray through your house. That, is, that can seem creepy. It doesn't have to, you guys. It's great. I had them do that in my house. It was so fun, and we did it together, and it was so meaningful. This is what we're talking about, being people who are willing to say, peace reigns in our lives, and when we don't feel peace, let's pray in Jesus' name, because that's not from God. It's kind of a simple thing. All right, shield of faith. The lies that come in the area of faith can be really sneaky as well. There's sometimes this lie that, that God really isn't going to defeat evil. That it's, it's the battles that are being won that seem like they're being won by the enemy. It's the end game. That brokenness is the end of the story. I'm always saying brokenness is not the end of the story. But sometimes the enemy tells you that it is. Brokenness is not the end of the story, but it feels like it. Another sneaky lie is have faith in pretty much anything but God. If the enemy can get us to have faith in our resources, in our finances, in our government, in our families even, anything, just have faith in anything but God and let God be secondary to what you have faith in. This is a huge lie, isn't it? The truth is that every promise that God has made is going to come true. It is coming true and it is going to come true. We have faith in something that we don't yet see, we have faith and hope in something that hasn't happened yet but is still happening now in certain ways. I know some of your stories. God has been victorious. God has come into some of those dark places and shed the light. And yeah, sure, there's another, thing to, another hurdle the next year and another hurdle the next year because we're in a spiritual battle, but we know who wins. That's what it means to have that faith. There's this really interesting story in Daniel 10, speaking of the different places you see the spiritual realm, In Daniel 10, the story of Daniel, Daniel's praying and asking God to send help. He's in a really tough situation. And and a lot of time goes by and he doesn't feel like God does anything. Sound familiar to any of you? He's begging God, please show up, I need you. And then weeks later, an angel appears to him right in front of his face. And the angel says, when you cried out to God, I was dispatched right away. But there were some dark angels. (laughs) that I had to battle on my way to get to you. And so I got thwarted. I I got frustrated. The mission got frustrated, but I was always coming for you. Sometimes in our lives, we're praying and we're wondering, why aren't we getting the answer that we're hoping for? Where is God? Partly we have to recognize is that we don't know all that's going on behind the scenes. The story in Daniel is a good example. There are some times where this battle is happening, and even though God has already done something, we don't see it yet. Because the battle is actually going back and forth in this current season that we're in of the world. This is, a, I think, a really important story. Okay, helmet of salvation, number five. Salvation is an important thing for us to think about, you guys. Because it's tempting to believe lies about this in a lot of different ways. It's tempting to think that there really is no such thing as being saved from the brokenness around us. That you or I are not good enough to be saved from our own sin and our own brokenness. That's a lie that a lot of us are told. Like, God can love a lot of people, but not you. These lies are spoken in such sneaky ways in our lives. Some of us hear this lie, I don't really need to be saved. I got it figured out. I'm a pretty good person. I'm doing the best I can. That's all God really would expect from me. Or this idea that God is a God who's far away and doesn't actually care about what's going on in our actual lives. And this idea that that salvation would come from God becoming a human doesn't make sense because God doesn't love humans enough to do that these are all these lies that come out in these different ways but the truth is is that Jesus gave his life for our brokenness and our sin for the brokenness and sin in the world so that he could conquer that death and conquer that brokenness so that brokenness doesn't have to be the end of the story that's what it means to accept salvation another little lie is that it's just about like a get out of hell free card instead of about our whole lives you guys being set free, like we sang about earlier, from so many things in our lives, salvation in our lives. We are saved. We're being saved. We're gonna be saved. It's amazing. I'm so excited as we move towards Lent, as we're gonna talk more about the depth of that reality in our lives. Okay, finally, the sword of the spirit, my favorite when I was a little girl, and uh, I might have poked a few people, but luckily it was a plastic sword, so there wasn't too much damage done. It says here in this passage that the the sword of the Spirit, is the word, which is the Word of God. It would be a mistake to think that uh, when he says the Word of God, he's just talking about the written words in the Bible. Because Paul's writing, I mean, the New Testament hadn't been canonized yet or brought together. He's really saying, yes, the words in the Bible. But he's saying everything that God has ever said is going to come true by the power of God's Spirit. And Jesus tells us that we have access to that Holy Spirit in our lives. And that when we pray and when we ask God's spirit to be present and active in our homes, in our workplaces, in our minds against those lies, that something happens. You guys, a lie that I think a lot of us believe is that prayer, it just changes us. I think it does change us, that's true. But it changes the metaphysical and spiritual reality. I have to believe that. I think that's consistent with scripture. It says so many times in the Bible, when God's people pray, something happens. When we pray after this service against what's going on in our city, as wonderful and freezing as it is with the human trafficking stuff that is not from God, when we pray, I believe something different is happening. A number of you signed up because Devoted gave us a a phone number where we got text messages knowing how to pray in the moment when the police were able to confront some of these people and, and rescue victims of trafficking. The police told us that huge groups of people came from all over the country and even the world, one of the biggest groups from Florida, you guys, coming up here, bringing all of these women and probably some men who had no say in the matter. And when we pray about that, I believe it changes the reality. We don't know how. We aren't going to get an exact report. But it's what it looks like for us to stand firm and to join in what God is doing in the world. And so the spirit of God, the truth is that the spirit of God is with us. The lie is that the the enemy wants us to think that the spirit of God is not active anymore, that God maybe did something someday or didn't do anything. But I know from my experience, I've seen it, God's spirit is active. Otherwise, the little story about Max doesn't make sense, does it? We invited God's spirit into that place and it changed the reality. Okay, so we see this whole analogy. Here's the truth. We do not need to understand everything that's going on behind the scenes to be able to stand firm. We want to be more aware, but we're never going to understand it fully. That's why we need God in our lives. But we can stand firm when we, like I talked about, this is going to be, we're going to say this again next week, our main way of standing firm is to pray, to stand in the gap and pray. You see in verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert or prepared. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I mean, he's repeating that because it's important, you guys. When we pray together, we are standing firm. When we boldly sing out who God is in worship, we are standing firm. That's a way that we are participating in this battle. When we rebuke the lies that we hear when someone says something about themselves and you say, that's not true. You are not worthless. That's not true. You can be forgiven. We are speaking that truth and that how we stand firm and even when we celebrate communion we've been doing this every week this is going to be our rhythm now I believe that this is a way that we stand firm because even though it might seem like something relatively simple and just a practice it's deeper than that you guys we're standing up and we're saying we declare that Jesus body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us so that we could have eternal life we could have salvation we could live in the truth we could be people who join in what God's kingdom work is in the world without fear all because Jesus did that. And when we come and do this together, we're reminded who we are, who each other, who we are to each other in unity, and who God is in our lives. It's not just just a practice. It's something deep and meaningful. I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and um, we're going to practice communion if you haven't done this with us. If you're someone who's seeking after Jesus in your life, maybe you've never really made a decision to let Jesus fully into your life. Today could be that day. And you could come up here and take communion and that could be your declaration. I want God's power in my life through what Jesus has done for me on the cross. He conquered death so that we could be forgiven, so we could be set free. And this could be that day for you. We're just going to form two lines here. You take the bread, dip it into the cup. There'll be people here to serve it for you. And then can I ask some prayer team people to be on both of these walls? If you are experiencing any of the lies that we talked about here, please let somebody pray for you. Let someone pray the truth into your life in Jesus' name. They, those people don't have any special authority except in Jesus' name. But we would love to pray for you in that way. Finally, and this is how I'd like us to close today. I gave you this little bookmark. Once again, if you don't have one, uh, they're on the connections table. You can grab one. But on the back, there's a little prayer. Not so little, but it's a prayer. little font. And um, I just want us to, to read this together. And then I, we want you to have this. We'll give them out again next week. To put somewhere when you're sensing these lies in your life, when you're maybe feeling like something feels weird in my house or something's not quite right, this is a prayer that you can pray right out of this scripture. So, would you be willing if you can, can you stand? And we're going to read this out loud together um, as a way of declaring who God is and, and saying amen to this scripture together. So, let's read it together. Lord, hear our prayers as we are people who desire to stand our ground as followers of yours. We pray that you would protect us from the schemes the enemy uses to frustrate your mission in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray that your truth would be louder than the lies the enemy tries to tell us about ourselves, each other, and you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, that you would make wrong things right in our lives and in the world you love. In the name of Jesus we pray you would bring your peace and perfect shalom. Give us courage to join you as peacemakers in the world. In the name of Jesus we pray that you would increase our faith even when there are flaming arrows from the enemy all around us. We pray you could protect us and our relationship with you and each other. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you would fill our hearts with the hope found in your salvation. Thank you for saving us from ourselves, from sin, and from the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be welcome in our lives. We pray that any spirit that is not of you would be gone from our lives, our homes, and our minds. Thank you, Jesus, for making all of this possible by conquering death through the cross, and offering us new life through our relationship with you. God, we ask you to fight for us as we stand firm in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, can I just pray a blessing over you? May you go from this place knowing that you have authority in the power of Jesus in your life, that at the name of Jesus, everything that is a lie and that is darkness that is not of God, every fear, we have authority over these things in Jesus' name. May you go knowing that truth and practicing that truth as you pray and as you speak what is true about who God is against these lies. May you know that you are loved and that God's love is what's going to make all things possible now and in the future for sure. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray all this over you, amen.